have to interrupt you right now. Sorry. Richard Hack, thank you very much. We appreciate the book is called Hughes. We want to go live right now and show you a picture of the World Trade Center where I understand, do we have it? No, we do not. We have a breaking story, though. We're going to come back with that in just a moment. First, this is today on NBC. Have you seen any any evidence, Elliot, of, of people being taken out of the building? You say that emergency vehicles are there, understandably so. But, of course, the major concern is human oh loss. I mean, do you know if there were many people in the building? Oh, another one just hit. Something else just hit. A very large plane oh. just flew directly over my building, and there's been another... Collision. Can you see it? I yes. can see it on the shot. Oh my! Something else has you know just. We just saw like a plane circling the building. It is in the other building. We just saw a plane circling the building, and, and now you you have to move from talk about a possible accident to talk about something deliberate that has happened here. We're going to immediately check with air traffic control in the area to find out if they had contact with either of these planes before the accident, but what we've just seen is, is about the most shocking videotape I've ever seen. What are the odds of two separate okay. planes hitting both towers? It is completely impossible to understand why this is happening and to figure out what the, what in the world is going on. And I actually saw people waving where the first plane crashed through, and then it was unbelievable seeing this second jet come crashing into the second tower. What is going on? September 11th, 2001 shocked the world. And if you were alive, you probably remember where you were and what you were doing when the news broke. It was a day of pure terror for Americans, and in particular for those in New York City and Washington, D.C. The official number of people killed in these heinous attacks was 2,977. This number includes those killed at the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and in Somerset County, where passengers heroically took over the fourth hijacked airplane, United 93. But as thousands of families mourned loved ones on September 11th and the hectic days following, there was one family, one victim, whose story was hidden behind the shadows. And because all the casualties caused by the terrorist attacks were not included in the official New York City crime statistics, his homicide is the only recorded outside of the attacks that day. This is 1 minute and 43 seconds, episode 52, and this is the story of Henry Shuiak. The story of an immigrant's journey to the United States is not particularly unique. As a matter of fact, there are over 45 million immigrants that reside here in America. But while many make the sacrifice and take the risk of leaving the comfort and familiarity of their homeland to forge a new path, affording better opportunities for their loved ones, 
an immigrant story is a noble one worth telling. Henryk Szyłiak served two years in the Polish army and eventually became a railroad inspector. He met his future wife, Ava, when they were only five years old. The two would go on to have two children together, a daughter and a son, Gabriella and Adam. In addition to being a hard worker and a devoted family man, Henrik also loved reading. Unfortunately, Henrik was laid off around the year 2000. With Poland's struggling economy and a 15% unemployment rate, it was then when he decided to take a trip to New York City. His sister, Lucina, had been living there for six years at that point. She herself had gone through some struggles with her business in Poland after a fire, so she made her way to New York City for a new beginning. When Henrik first arrived in New York City, sometime in the year 2000, it was at his sister's place located in Queens where he would first reside, before eventually moving into a spot of his own on the same block. He made his way into Manhattan to work at a construction site, as he had been doing for the majority of 2001. See, Henrik would take whatever job he could with the sole intention of supporting his family back in Poland. His daughter was 17 years old at that time, and he wanted to make sure she could attend a good university. He also wanted to supplement his wife Ava's income as a biology teacher. Henrik was a hard worker and sent every penny he earned from any job he could back to his family in Poland, just so he could set them up to be comfortable in the future. So Henrik rode the subway from his place in Queens down to Lower Manhattan that day with every intention of putting in 100% to set his family up for success. Then the world changed. It was 8.46 a.m. local time when American Airlines Flight 11 made impact with the North Tower of the World Trade Center. Whether you were in New York City on that day, staring up at the towers in disbelief, or at home with a cup of coffee, watching your morning news, the assumption was the same. This was a terrible accident. Then, just 17 minutes later, another plane, United Airlines Flight 175, impacted the South Tower, sending a massive fireball up into the sky, and thousands of pieces of debris raining down on the ground below. Henrik, despite having witnessed one of the planes smashing into the towers, was okay. In a sad twist of, call it tragic irony, at some point Henrik called his family back in Poland to let them know not to worry when they saw the news. He was safe. Despite escaping lower Manhattan with his life, the construction site that Henrik was on his way to work at this morning was subsequently closed as officials worked to evacuate everyone out of the Manhattan area. Henrik made his way across the Brooklyn Bridge and took the subway back to Queens to his sister's home. It's fair to say that the distressing events of September 11th stopped all of us in our tracks, but Henrik had no time to waste. He needed to make money for his family, and he even had dreams of building his own house back in Poland for his family. Everything he did was for them, 
so as soon as he was back at his sister's house, he paged through a Polish-language newspaper to see if he could find work in the classified ads. He did. It was a position for a cleaning service at a Pathmark supermarket in Brooklyn. Henrik's next stop was to an employment agency in Bay Ridge, a part of New York City that served the Polish community. It just so happened that the owner of said employment agency was distraught, as she had not heard from her husband who worked at the World Trade Center. Henrik comforted her, and she sadly learned of her husband's passing at a later time. Henrik made plans to head to the supermarket in the evening as it was a night job. He was to meet a man from the cleaning service and told the employment agency how he would be dressed. He wore a matching camouflage jacket and pants and a pair of black boots. He consulted his landlady about the best way to get to the supermarket, as he was unfamiliar with the neighborhood. She implored Henrik not to venture out that night. The area he was supposed to go was fairly dangerous at the time in 2001, an area where violence was the norm and not a place one should choose to go, let alone at night. In addition, the city was still in a state of shock and horror, reeling from the events of the day, a combination of circumstances that would give Henrik's landlady a bad feeling. But Henrik was defiant. He was eager to find work so he could save up as much to send back to his family in Poland as possible. So, with a map, a backpack, some extra shoes and clothes, Henrik left. It was about 11 p.m. when Henrik got off the subway and made his way along Fulton Street towards Albany Avenue. At the intersection, he made a right and headed north, instead of heading south as his directions told him. The reason for this is unknown, but it could be that he was simply lost, being unfamiliar with the neighborhood. At around 11.40 p.m., around Albany Avenue and Decatur Street, residents reported hearing what sounded like an argument before seven gunshots rang out on the block. One woman reported that although she heard the gunshots, she was too afraid to make her way to the window to see what was going on, which I imagine might have been commonplace for that neighborhood at the time. Henrik had been hit in the lung. The trail of blood told the story of him desperately making his way up a set of stairs to the stoop of a row house at 119 Decatur Street. He rang the doorbell, but like the woman mentioned earlier, residents were too afraid to open the door after hearing the argument and gunshots. The call came into 911 at 11.42 p.m. Every single one of NYPD's officers were already on duty given the events of the day. They were either close to ground zero to deliver heightened security or elsewhere in the city in the event of more criminal activity. As the world watched the events unfold in Manhattan, it was speculated that perhaps people would use the same distraction to their advantage and to commit unlawful activities. No such police presence existed on Albany Avenue, where Henrik Shuiak lay dying on that truly awful night. Still, police and ambulance were dispatched to the scene, and even though they arrived within minutes of the call, tragically, Henrik was pronounced dead. 
Much like Henrik's death was overshadowed by the horrifying acts of terror in Manhattan on September 11th, so was the investigation into his murder. Units who would normally process a violent crime scene with great care and detail were simply not available to do so, as every resource was focused on the attacks at the World Trade Center. And that's the reason that so little is known about Henrik's murder. Not for lack of care or consideration, but for a city whose police, firefighters, and investigators stretch far too thin based on circumstances out of their control. What little investigation was possible garnered a few notable observations. Henrik was found with $75 of cash in his wallet, which made the idea of robbery questionable. It's possible that it was a robbery gone wrong. After all, despite valiant efforts, Henrik struggled to learn English. It's possible Henrik was confronted by someone who demanded he turn over any valuables he had. Unable to understand, perhaps the argument heard by residents was him protesting or begging for his life. It's interesting to note that the money remained even after Henrik was dead, but the motive may still have been robbery, with the assailant fleeing to evade police. Henrik's sister, Lucina, believes that whoever shot him may have thought he was a terrorist, with his black boots and camouflage outfit. This, combined with Henrik's heavy accent, she theorized a city on edge could have brought out the worst in someone who perhaps thought they were doing their part to combat the enemy. Finally, and perhaps most senselessly, it's possible that Henrik was attacked for the simple reason he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. We know the area he was killed was known for drugs and violence. It's possible that the people there didn't take too kindly to someone unknown in their territory, causing them to lash out in a brazen act of violence, which subsequently ended Hendrick's life. A humble man, full of drive, ambition, one who would do anything he could to provide his family a better life, survived one of the most devastating attacks on American soil in history, only to meet a tragic fate on the streets of the same city just 14 hours later. Despite a $12,000 reward, no one has ever come forward to give information on Henrik's murder. And as this year will mark the 23rd anniversary of his passing, his wife, Ava, nor his sister, Lucina, believe his killer will ever be brought to justice. While every single person who met their tragic end on September 11, 2001, is worthy of remembrance. The murder of Henrik Suiak has largely flown under the radar. To a world overwhelmed with shock and grief, Henrik's murder was but a blip in the newspaper. But to his family, his wife, daughter, son, sister, Henrik's loss has left a significant hole in their hearts and lives. He was loved by many, and he loved his family. Perhaps Michael Williams said it best in his report on Henrik in the New York Times. Quote, To be the last man killed on September 11th is to be hopelessly anonymous, quietly mourned by a few while, year after year, the rest of the city looks towards lower Manhattan. No one reads his name into a microphone at a ceremony. No memorial marks the sidewalk where he fell with a bullet in his lung. End quote. 
Henrik Shuiak was an immigrant who came to the United States for opportunity and for a chance at a better life for his family. That dream was stolen from him on the night of September 11, 2001. While nothing can be done to bring him back, I hope you'll join me in telling his story. And as the years pass and we place our hands on our hearts on the anniversary of that horrible day in America all those years ago, honoring the many lives lost, I hope you'll remember Henrik's name, too. Thank you for listening to Henrik's story. And thank you for listening to 1 Minute and 43 Seconds, a true Unsolved Mysteries podcast. For more information on the show, please visit 143mysteries.com. You can also find us on Instagram at 143mysteries and on Twitter at 143podcast. And finally, if you haven't yet, consider checking us out on YouTube and subscribing. All the links can be found in the description for this episode. We'll see you next time. Stay safe. One minute and 43 seconds is dedicated to my number one fan. Thanks, Dad. I love you and I miss you. This podcast has been approved by Skipper the Cat. Right, Skippy?